Hi folks, this is Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that's casual about the truth. I'm Justin, and we're about to call John. As always, there's an object, two true statements, and a complete lie. This week, for no extra charge, you get some museum etiquette, Scottish Halloween, Outlander spoilers, a dramatic tale of postal service crime, and we ever so briefly touch on the actual topic, a cursing stone. I warn you, this is neither short or for the faint of heart. Here we go, here's a story for the intro. I don't know if I had one before. (laughs) I have bought my microphones, which you've listened to me complain about a lot. I'm not sure if the listeners have had to listen to any microphone complaints yet, but I bought them at the start of July. And this should be the third episode that I'm recording with said microphones. One of them's for the podcast, one of them's for my camera for some other projects. Not relevant, except it becomes very relevant because I realised on the 23rd of July I still hadn't received them. As I come home every single day and look at the place where the postman leaves the boxes. So I sent them an email and said, what's happening, my friends? And I got a relatively nice response that said... We're really sorry, but this certain microphone you ordered for your camera is not in stock, firstly, even though they told me on the website that it was. Secondly, the supplier can't tell us when it'll be in. How would you like to pay an extra $25 for a similar but slightly better microphone? And we'll get it all in the post for you straight away. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to first check that it isn't a microphone that's worth $200 extra because, yes, I will take that deal. (laughs) So I go and have a look. Actually, no, it is a microphone that is worth $25 more. Well, costs $25 more. So I sent back an email thanking her very much for her assistance, but I had some matters to clear up. Firstly, could I get a full refund and buy the microphones from somewhere else? Secondly, could I not get the microphone for no extra charge, considering the delay that it's already caused and that it said that it was available online? Thirdly, could they not just post the podcast microphone so that I could get started with the projects that were waiting on that. I thanked her very much again for her help, wished her a pleasant day. I got an email back within eight hours that said, excellent news, Justin, we found the microphone that was missing in Sydney. (laughs) So they're going to send it to us, and then we're going to send it to you. And it's like magic, we did actually have stock in Australia. So (laughs) I'm now sitting here like, are they just hanging on to everyone's orders, trying to get this little upsell, and as soon as someone threatens to want a refund, they just say, oh, Sydney's got it. And Sydney probably yeah, say, oh, Melbourne's got it. Maybe they're just sort of like hoarding everything and then like just waiting until someone's absolutely desperate. They go, yeah, okay. 100%. Or they've got 100%. like five orders for that one microphone and you're just the first one to I reckon it's more on the it. order of like 500. Yeah. A lot of people are buying content creation equipment. It's very hard to go on the internet and buy like ring lights. Or, um, Is it? microphones yeah people are really going hard especially with home conferencing on zoom and such people are spending a lot of money making themselves look presentable for their zoom meetings (laughs) it's fair enough yeah i can look pretty dreadful (sighs) i uh, i i I think it's it's fine go for your life obviously i prefer they just sent me the things that i wanted but that's quite focused on me, isn't it? <laughs> You're so selfish, just. Should we do some objects? Let's do an object. Who's going first today? I don't mind. 
So I'll just go into it. There's a little bit of a backstory to my object. Do I need the link first? Oh, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll get to that. So okay. I'll basically, oh. basically, yeah. Basically Calm last... down. I'm throwing out the whole format. We'll get to that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Basically, last night, uh, which again sort of shows my attitude to the uh, podcast. Last night, while we were having dinner, cooked some nice tea for my family while I was here. And uh, I just said to them, I need to do a podcast tomorrow, but I've got no idea what to do. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, very similar experience here. Okay. Basically, this object came about as a bit of a brainstorm with the parents and girlfriend around the oh. dinner table. All of a sudden, it's just inverse the entire Murray Lowther <laughs> slash Florida clan. No, no, none of the research, none of the statements, just the uh, sort of initial idea. Um, but right. it's because okay. it has a family connection. Okay, good. Technically. So mine's an object in Carlisle, and I want you to, if your search engine is ready, I'd like search you to engine search is ready. Yes. for the cursing stone. Cursing stone. In fact, I'll I'll get you to Google the Border Reavers Cursing Stone. And Reavers That's the is the one that came up first. Perfect. So you should see a big well, why don't you explain what you can see? Uh there's a big rock looking thing that's kind of shiny in a room. It's about as tall as a person. It's probably about as wide as a person lying down. And it's got writing all over it. I can't tell if it's kind of like a serif font, maybe a little bit more gothic. Uh, I can see the word curse on it a few times, actually. Basically, a big <laughs> rock with writing all over it. It looks like a modern art installation, and it looks like it's in the lobby of a building or the hallway of a building. That's pretty perfect. I mean, there's there's not much really to say about its uh, initial sort of aesthetics because it is just a big stone with writing on Yeah, but... if you stress that you're not imagining the right thing, but you're imagining a big rock with writing on it, Yeah, you, you're, you're okay. This is the Border Reavers Cursing Stone. So I'll tell you what the Border Reavers are. So this is in Carlisle. So I'll give you some his historical background before the actual object. So the Border Reavers were basically a group of families. Um, so from the late 13th uh, to the beginning of the 17th century, there were lots of families spread over the border between England and Scotland. And there would basically just be series of battles and skirmishes. Um, and sort of raids and they would just sort of take the law into their own hands uh basically just to fight over little areas of land so there was no they didn't align with any they didn't align with scotland the families on that side they didn't align with england on the families on that side they were just families fighting over land so they were called the border reavers and they basically were only cared about their family name really and there were 77 in total and my last name, Lowther, is a Border Reaver name, hence why it has a slight family connection. Um, so they had no control from monarch or church. They just took law into their own hands and fought all the time. Very, very much sort of like clan-based skirmishes. It came about because land was basically passed down to your children and then divided. And then all these people would just have little areas of land that they wanted to defend. And they would build these little towers which in themselves are quite interesting because they weren't quite as big as castles, but they were there to defend it. Um, wait, do you like this history so far? Oh, absolutely amazing set of concepts for me to dive into here. 
<laughs> I'm now as excited about your object as you are, ignoring the fact that your name is one of them. Um, <laughs> this is brilliant. I've obviously got a lot of questions, but do you have more intro to, to go with? Yeah, so I'll, I'll now get to more of the object stuff. So, okay. It got so bad in the 16th century that the Archbishop of Glasgow, Gavin Dunbar, decided to excommunicate all the border reavers and gave out the munition of cursing. So this was a thousand word curse and it was like this epic tirade that was going to be read out at every pulpit, encouraging them to sort of return to the church and give up this lawless fighting and all this crazy lifestyle they were leading. And I'll read out just a brief snippet of it because it just sort of shows the uh, absolute, the just hatred from this curse is amazing because it just says, I curse their head and all the hairs of their head. I curse their face, their eyes, their mouth, their nose, their tongue, their teeth, their chin, their shoulders, their breast, their heart, their stomach, their back, their arms, their legs, their hands, their feet, their every part of their body from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, before and behind, within and without. So... All right, mate, calm down a bit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know, it's just like... Was that necessary? <laughs> uh, what he... on earth was it that achieving? Like, I curse you and all of your body, done. There we go, move on. Did he have, like, <laughs> did he have to fill the end of the page? God. I just think that, like... You've covered it all there, because there's there's a lot more. It's like, I curse them eating, I curse them drinking, I curse them walking, I curse them sleeping. You just cover all bases, like, everything, everything you could think of. Because I think it's, I've, I've heard it's two reports, it's either 1,069 words or 1,500 words, but it's basically very, very long. Just sentences that start with, I curse, <laughs> and then a- any other form, behaviour, component of a person... All their life that he could think of, and finally, guy. I condemn them to perpetually to the deep pit of hell to remain with Lucifer and his fellows, and their bodies to the gallows of the Burrowmore, first to be hanged, and then some words that ah ripped apart by beasts on the Burrowmore, Edinburgh, and other places of execution. There you go. That was an English translation from the Old English. And so he's got these people on these lands who don't recognise him, and he reckons this is the best way to get them to all come back to the church. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think he's gone a little bit too far. He probably should have said, come back over here, worship the correct person in the sky, and everything will be okay. You will not be ripped apart by beasts at an execution <laughs> site in Edinburgh. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. I wouldn't want to go back to the church if that's what they were saying. If that's what they... Uh, no. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to unite the 77 clans and we're going to fight a war against you. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't. Th- I do honest, I think that was less likely than uh, anyone joining back from the church. Right. Okay. The loudest <laughs> not joining with the McGregors. <laughs> so the curse itself is what is inscribed on this stone. So the stone itself came much later. So it's actually from. It was installed in two thousand and one. So it features a large section of the curse and comes at the end of a long path that has all the reavers' names on it. So this is a path from the Tully House Museum, where I think the stone is, and Carlisle Castle. And it's a 14-ton granite boulder that sits there, designed by Gordon Young. Um, but what the most important thing about this object, basically, that I need to stress is that when it was installed, people believed that it brought the curse back to Carlisle. <laughs> so things started happening oh. after it was installed because 
livestock herds around the city on the border with Scotland were wiped out by foot and mouth disease. There was a devastating flood in 2005. Uh, factories were closed. I think there was a murder. And then also the local football team uh, dropped down a league. Oh, God, the final straw. The curse <laughs> is real. So it's it's interesting that they think this sort of curse has legacy still. And because that it was brought back, it was just... Brought, did all these terrible things in the uh, city, and uh, so did the actual that actual stone have any historical significance, or is that just an installation of modern art? I think it's just an installation of modern art. Uh, so the just... creation of a stone with the curse on it reintroduced the curse, which was initially just some words said by an archbishop. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much, and it got so bad all these like sort of public outcry that they uh, proposed the removal of the stone and it would have cost several thousand pounds and uh, the artist was pretty pissed off and he said that uh, it's a powerful work of art but it's certainly not part of the occult if I thought my sculpture would have affected one Carlisle United result I would have smashed it myself years ago so <laughs> yeah good 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 this is the this is the equivalent of an inland town that does not get any breeze Entering into an uproar over big windmills generating electricity. Yes, it's it's. Like, oh look, our chickens are dying of stress. So get rid of them. It's very much fear, just sort of spreading, and people finding reasons to channel that into something. I have to say, they were like you can sort of see people trying to find explanations because these were pretty terrible events that were happening to Carlisle, but. I don't think they had any connection to this curse. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we're a podcast that really is going to endorse oh, any tangible connection between a rock going into a building <laughs> and terrible things like the death of innocent animals and football teams being relegated. <laughs> so yeah. did the actions of the Archbishop resolve the conflicts on the border? Uh, it's actually one of my statements. So... Shall I get into the statements first, and then you can ask your questions? Okay, we'll go statements and then a full inquisition. A <laughs> full inquisition. So, I've got two statements about the modern sort of context and one about the history of the object. So, statement one. Okay. When, it was, when the stone was introduced and the curse believed to be true, people were banned from touching the stone. Statement two. To counteract the curse, they put in a Bible verse onto the stone. And statement three, the curse was initially laughed at and dismissed when it was first read out in 1525. Okay, good statements. I, I feel like they're not going to take that much questioning, but... <laughs> Why, because one of them's going to fall apart quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much no. Uh, but I think the history's been uh, sufficient enough for a good episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Um... So at the time of the conflict, why were England and Scotland just allowing these people to run their own little show on the border? Um, well, because I think that the border is sort of just quite far from any capital. I mean, it is sort right, of... Right, where are we talking here? In, are we talking on the, on the east side? Uh, it's spread over the whole border, really. Um, and I think it's pretty much where the border is today. Um, well, there wasn't that much change. So it spread out over the whole from east to west. And you can see you can see maps 
in Tully House Museum, actually. That, and you, if you Google it, you can see all where these clans were based and where they were fighting. So it does make for quite an interesting look. But I think it's just because it was just a very, very local battles that it didn't really have too much effect on either Scotland or England. It was just that these people cared about these little areas. So it did, I, I think yeah. the main thing is it didn't really cause that much, cause many problems. So I was thinking that both countries would have, one of the countries would have been interested in at least patrolling their border. So yeah. it's on a scale that if England was going to march north on Scotland, they would just march through them. It would have been yeah. no consequence whatsoever. Well, is 1525 after the union of the monarchs of England and Scotland? No. Did that come after Elizabeth died without children? Yes, so that is really when the skirmishes and these battles started to end, is when Elizabeth I died, and that's 1603 she died, and King James I of England and VI of Scotland took up residence in London and sort of decided that they were finally going to tackle these um, Reaver families. And I think he... I'm not exactly sure how they did that, I think it was very much sort of punishment to anyone who was doing it, really. Right, and that implies that the proclamation of the Archbishop was not overly effective. <laughs> yeah. Given it took another 80 years to uh, sort that out. Yeah. <laughs> and it was not, in fact, the curse of the, he, the Almighty, but rather Scotland losing its independence or gaining all of England, depending on how you look at it. Their king did march south successfully. Um <laughs> I think this illustrates why, although it's obviously a bad thing, eldest son inheriting everything wasn't the worst policy. This is what happens when you divide to infinity. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, because then you've just had all these. Because I think that I think based on what I've heard, this is that was sort of the general problem: is that once if a guy had four kids, he divided it amongst his four kids, so all your land just suddenly broke up, and then everyone's just fighting over it. So. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Maybe just keep the line. It takes about three generations before second cousins don't really care about killing second cousins over a paddock. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Maybe that's slightly oversimplifying things. But I think I think they I think Uh, they were all very like strongly had an allegiance to their family name, which I think is quite interesting. Yes. You weren't gonna fight your own family. No, not from not with the same name. Yeah. (laughs) Unheard of. It's very, it's very interesting. I think it's difficult to... It's easy to look at 100 years and think of a few little changes in land to be quite insignificant, like once you look at history on, on the full scale. But someone's lifetime would have been quite relevant, I guess, expanding the families, well, earning back some lands they thought were theirs or losing some. I wonder what the record-keeping was like amongst them. <laughs> yeah, Do they have you... tales of battles and... and accounts no i'm not sure actually it seems like it's a well-recorded history but i don't know who it's recorded by so i don't know because you can find lots of information on them and there's lots in this museum and but i don't know whether it was they themselves recording it or someone like writing about them so that would yeah someone came along 150 years later and was like oh this is interesting yeah Went, went and talked to the grandson of the guy who did some things and if anything's been established by the podcast so far is that record keeping wasn't all that great <laughs> in 1525 yeah pretty, yeah pretty much 
But that, would, that, that in itself would be some good research, I think, to find out how they found out about it. <laughs> yes, yes. I think there's too many people involved for it to be disputed too much. Like, it seems quite clear there were a bunch of families. They were fighting. The Archbishop hasn't come out and said that for nothing. Yeah. Well, he's, and he seems he's, like he's documented his... He's cursing um, every part of their bodies, so... Yeah, yeah. It seems like history hasn't forgotten that one. <laughs> I like that another picture in the search for anyone who goes into the search is Cursing Stones of Ireland. It's like, oh, this is a whole series. <laughs> it wasn't actually the first time that there was a curse put on the Border Reavers either. They, I think they'd been cursed like a few times by the church. Right. The church had had a few cracks at these guys. I just think it's funny that the church is cursing people. <laughs> that just seemed like a bit <laughs> out of character, didn't it? I uh... thought they were all... Anti-curse. That's true. I don't know a lot about Scottish archbishops. Oh, yeah, this uh, is like fifth, uh, 16th century, so they might have been really into it back then. When was the switch to the Church of England, roughly? What, in Scotland? In England. In England. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, it was with Henry VIII. <laughs> it was with Henry VIII, wasn't it? So it was just a few... Yeah, which is coming up soon after this, after 1525. Uh, yeah, it must have been. Wasn't he like 1550? Can't, yeah, it can't be too much later. And then Scotland uh, officially did it with James. So you know more I don't know exactly what this guy... I'm trying to figure out what this archbishop, archbishop's deal would have been. <laughs> what was it? What, what, uh, what, how close, closely was he tied to the Pope while he's out here cursing? Because Scotland's historical religious beliefs are a little bit closer to... Uh, what's, what do they call Halloween up there? Hey. What do they call Halloween? I don't know. There's the other, there's like kind of... Um, Old English one, like All Hallows Eve. Is that what you're thinking of? There's the religion that's closer to paganism. Uh, Basically, there's an, there's an episode of Outlander where the modern Outlander people, <sighs> the modern characters go to a Halloween event and one of the characters is surprised that the person from the Church of England is willing to engage in such activities and he says some comment about um, religions that are based on... Basically, people of the trees, creatures of the night, that sort of stuff. He was on board with oh, it. He was fine with it. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm trying to think now. So I think Scotland have had a little bit more mystery and mythology in their religions. I thought it was England. just like pagan history. It could be pagan. Paganism. I thought it was. Is Neve? Oh, look at it. This is getting edited out. <laughs> oh, this. none of this is surviving now. I'm going to switch real quickly back into the... Um, into the statements. Are you thinking of Samhain or something? That sounds a little bit, a little bit familiar. Uh, pagan rituals, Scottish Halloween traditions. It's got a name, Halloween. It has a, a proper name, not the Americanized version. Sam Samhain, or I don't know how you say it, is a Gaelic festival marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the winter or the darker half of the year. Traditionally, it is celebrated from thirty first of October to first of November. Well, that's spot on, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Is that what you're thinking so about? That's coming up here. Sam Hain. I reckon that might have been mentioned. I think there's a lot to do with fire. Yeah, sounds about right. If I was in the Scottish Highlands, I'd be pretty interested in fire too. <laughs> yeah, maybe there'll be an object that I can find that'll help us dive into this a little bit deeper in a couple of weeks. Anyway, well, I think Scottish, up the, the people up there, they're on board with, with this sort of stuff. Yeah, there, there's like a fire festival. I remember now, yeah. It's on a hill not far from my flat. And they have like... Uh... Jesus Christ. A f right, okay. Yeah, there's a fire festival on Cotton Hill. That's it. I think that's what you're thinking of. 
and it's more of yeah, like... Yeah, I'm basing a, a lot of this off one line in a very, very, very fictional TV show. <laughs> oh, God. The influence of Outlander on Edinburgh tourism is just... Oh, that'd be insufferable, though. Be too all, much. All Americans know Outlander. It's just so... And I don't think anyone... I'm glad you said it first, because I wasn't going to st- start whinging about Americans, but that's exactly who it would be. Yeah, well, apparently it's tell you what, that, isn't it? That show went off a cliff when it went to America. Didn't, don't, don't they, like, teleport or something, or, like, travel through time? Yeah, there's the Ring of Stones. Maybe I'll do the Stones as my object. There's a Ring of Stones, and there's some little, like, sequence of stuff, but if you're touching a stone, you can go through time. So the Sassanac... The Outlander woman accidentally goes back uh, from Inverness to also Inverness a little bit before, but there's another stone in another place and you can get to America from Scotland as well. It's all, you've got to accept a few fundamental adjustments to the laws of physics in order to watch the show. Once you accept them, it's okay. So it just really suspends your disbelief. Suspends your disbelief, but then imagine that everything else is pretty much as you imagine it. Like she goes, she, she... Time travels through a stone, but she was a nurse during World War Two, so she's able to heal people. So then they think she's a witch because she can heal people. But actually, she's just <laughs> using modern medicine techniques that are scientifically valid. And it's like, if you can go through a magic rock, can't you make a magic potion? No, of course you can't. That's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a magic potion. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that, that's the state of it. And then I talked to someone who said, oh, women just like it because the lead character is an attractive male. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's not why I'm watching it. Well, I think... It's all right. Is Bonnie Prince Charlie in it? Who's that? Uh, Scottish historical figure. He's called... Oh, the, he was the... Um, yeah, he's the reason they fought the... They tried to have another revolution. Yeah, the Jacobites. Yeah. Is he in the show? Yeah, he's in it. He's in the show. Because I think... So here's the problem. She goes back and she knows how the war goes. So she knows the very battle that they lose on. So she tries to convince them not to do it. And they're all like, well, we have to do it. We can't just allow the English to continue. So then she commits to helping with medical aid and they try to rewrite history. Does it work? Do you just want me to ruin the entire show for you? Uh, sure. It does not work. However, so she... Once it's accepted that they're going to lose, the deal is that the main lead character, who is a male-led, is going to stay and die with the revolution that he's attempting to lead, and she's going to go back in time to her actual husband in 1947, I think they are, something like that. So she goes back in time thinking that Jamie, the person that she fell in love with, she initially married him just so she could get closer to the stone so she could go back in time, fell in love with him, stays with him. So she, the agreement is that she has to go back to the future um, because he's going to die and they're going to kill them all. There's no point in her dying as well. So she goes back thinking he's dead, but her modern-day husband is, he is kind of a historian. He's an academic of some description. He figures out that the guy she fell in love with in the past is still alive. <laughs> so event, eventually, and it gets even better, they, the past husband... And her have a daughter, so she's pregnant when she goes through the stones, so then they have the kid. And the biggest problem in the marriage initially was that they couldn't have children. So then it's like, if the husband of the future accepts her, he will get a daughter. 
So they have her, they move to America, she trains to be a doctor, becomes a doctor. Eventually she breaks up with a modern day husband and finds out that Jamie survived the war because she finds a reference of him in America. So she then goes back in time through some rocks. I think she went back to Scotland to go through the initial rocks. So then she has to go and find him and he's in Edinburgh. Hmm. And then they end up going to America. He has started publishing, um, I don't know what you call it, like illegal newspapers, talking about Jacobite-style stuff or pro-Scottish stuff. So he's doing that on the sly and he basically still ends up in trouble. So they go off to the Caribbean, they end up in America. And then the problem is he gets given land in America and they all know that the American War of Independence is coming because she knows all of history. And so the problem is that he is on the British side, which is the losing side, again, in a war. (laughs) And I haven't watched the last series, but they're at the point where the war's going to happen. And philosophically, he would probably side with the uh, rebels of America, who will end up winning. But he can't because he was recruited by the British. That's how he got all his land. That is the full synopsis of Outlander. There's some pretty messed up stuff in there as well. There's a very terrible villain who abuses people in lots of different ways. Well, um, at least I now know I don't have to watch it. <laughs> you don't have to watch it. It's it's good, easy viewing. I watched it because I used to just put it on for hours and hours of the night while I was working. Yeah. Then I accidentally ended up kind of interested in it. Then it went off a cliff after they leave Scotland. Um, Is it still going? But... Yeah, yeah, they just released a new... Basically because of the popularity in America, they're still making it, even though it was based on a book, but I think we've well exceeded the book. I don't know, maybe yeah. we haven't. Because I heard there were a lot of books. Um, yeah, that was a long diversion away from the podcast. It'll be an interesting <laughs> test to see how we can pull this back together. Where were we before? Oh, I was about to go... I don't even know how... I'll probably have to put an interlude in, play some music, and say, Hi, folks, we got a bit distracted talking about Outlander. <laughs> We're moving on to we're moving on to statement two. <laughs> All right, John. Statement two. What <laughs> what passage two, from the Bible? What, uh, what passage so, from the Bible was put in on it? Um, the passage from the Bible was Philippians four six. Is that how you say Bible verses? Um, do you like I don't to... care. The point is the point is you did have a Bible verse written down. Um. Yes, yeah. yeah, give the verse or give the gist, depending on how interesting it is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So they stuck this on after 2002, thinking that this would solve a curse that a rock had introduced. Yes, I think it might have been in 2006 they put it on, because the floods were in 2005. <laughs> floods... Oh, that's terrible. Um, there's no hope for our species, though. If this is the remedy, we're going think... to add, we're gonna add a, a passage of a Bible onto a rock covered in curses to solve real-world problems. I'm not sure how much bad stuff's happened to Carlisle since then. So, there you go. <laughs> Tell me. Prove it wasn't the Bible. Yeah. Prove Jesus didn't, <laughs> didn't fix it all. Um, okay. I think oh, no, just for people listening. I've got nothing against the Jesus, gen- don't don't get me wrong. I think the general gist of the uh, verse, though, is just like, 
it'll be all right. Don't worry. You know. I I had the word pray. It'll be all right if you pray. Yeah, there's some there's some there's some qualifiers in there, but I think that <laughs> as long as you're on our side, it'll everything will be okay. We'll stop the floods. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make Carlisle great again. Um, okay, so I know we skipped ahead to statement two a little bit, but when they banned people from touching it, which is statement one, was that for was that for the protection of the stone because they were worried that people would try to break the stone? Or was that to protect people from getting a, a worse curse? Blues, I, think, clues. I think there was general fears that like people are going to try and wreck this stone. Um, They're going to try and roll this stone out, roll it downhill into some other neighbouring town. Yeah, take out the... <laughs> take out Here, the curse is your problem now. Aren't you sad your town's in a valley? Yeah. Or you could use the stone to block the flood. You just yeah. create a big dam. Exactly. Um, <laughs> there's so many good uses for this stone they should have thought about. Um, but I think that, I think there was a general fear that I think something happened to a couple of people who had touched it. So then there was like, it spread more that people were, that there was a like direct link oh. to pe- to misfortune from this curse. So it sort of helped create that narrative. That would be an even better marketing plan. Don't tell people they can't touch it. Tell people that they can touch it. But terrible things are going to happen to them. Yeah, let's would... see who comes to move, move the stone. Sure, you can move it, but your entire family is going to be doomed for all eternity. Yeah, they should have done that no instead. Worries, mate. They should have done that instead. And they just should have. Be like, charge people to touch it. Carlisle will be booming oh. now. Yeah, they put an ad out. Actually, we agree the stone needs to go. We're looking for volunteers. To be honest, I think I'm not sure. The sort of, by the looks of the pictures that were in the uh, news article. I don't think that the it was a very effective banning, though, because it's basically just, like, ropes around it. <laughs> it's not like they've... <laughs> it's not like they've covered it in something and gone, absolutely don't do it. So they might have sort of banned yeah, it and then they're... gone, but you can still, if you really want to try and see what happens. Isn't it amazing how effective ropes are or little strings in museums? Like, I am never more considerate than when I'm trying not to overstep lines in museums. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And I'm like, always... Do you think there are people... Uh, uh, sorry. I'm always terrified as well, cause especially in like art galleries where there's like a little tiny one at like ankle height, but you can get really close to it anyway. I'm always terrified I'm going to like overstep that. <laughs> yeah, that, that rope there is not to stop you getting your eye within four inches. It's yeah. just tell your brain not to touch it. But it doesn't in any way achieve that. Um, it's really hard when paintings look bumpy, though, because you kind of want to just go, what does it feel like? Well, yeah, it's, it's half the coil of the, coil of the void and a half, oh, I'm not allowed to touch it, but I wonder what it feels like. <laughs> I'm a conformist. If you tell me I'm in a room full of very old, beautiful things not to touch them, I will not touch them. Do you think there are people that go around just ignoring those ropes? Because the worst thing that happens yeah, is definitely. a security guard comes over and says, excuse me, sir, please step back. Excuse me, sir, please turn your flash off. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely people who go around touching stuff. Because Have you ever been told off in a museum? Have I ever been told off in a museum? Um, yeah. I don't think so. No, because, I, because oh. I am, like you, I also don't like touching stuff. I took a photo of a painting in Vienna. 
<laughs> the security guard comes over. You know when someone comes to tell you a thing that they've clearly been t- telling people since 8 a.m.? Yeah. I got that in, I think initially he, he it was not in English <laughs> or something wasn't in English. And I quickly pulled on the thickest apologetic Australian accent and said, oh, I'm really sorry, is it no photos anywhere? And he said, no, like I was a complete idiot, pointed to the sign and said the ones that have the picture that says no photos means no photos. And it was not a clear sign. It was not no. obvious that it was a no photos until it was pointed out to me. I bet it was but he clear. didn't ask me to, to delete it. I got to keep the photo. I then <laughs> lost the memory. I lost the memory card from the entire trip. And there are oh, no photos. That's heartbreaking. But that's, I think, the only time I've been told off in a museum. I think I've been told to leave before. But I just left. You've been told to leave a museum? Like I was there at closing time. Because oh, okay. you've been travelling all day. You try to fit as... You go into a museum that's free with 20 minutes left. Yeah. Knowing full well you, you can barely get through the staircase. But, yeah, I, I'm super apologetic. I will I will follow the ropes, whatever the ropes say. I think I spent uh, a, an awkwardly long amount of time in a museum. <laughs> because... I went, <laughs> Someone recognised you? Yeah. I went to a film museum in Frankfurt when I was visiting. And there was an exhibition that was like... It was all about cinema and editing and all this stuff and I found it fascinating but there was like this fantastic display of like small sections of films and they were like edited in a way to specifically highlight certain characteristics so there's like a montage of films with good music and there's a montage of films with good acting but I was the only person in that whole exhibition and I just sat there and watched it with like the um sort of museum uh gallery attendant like sat behind me so i just sort of sat with this one person for probably close to an hour watching this one display of films <laughs> that felt weird uh, that sounds like the kind of thing that would keep you there for a long time it was completely engrossing but the, the bit that yep. made me awkward was that like people would come into this exhibition walk around for five minutes or like 50 minutes and then leave and i was like you just missed this bit don't make me feel weird for watching this whole <laughs> cinema that experience. is so true Mi- museums probably are the best place to sample human attention like social media is causing the problems or revealing the problems we've always had built in yeah and museums are the place to observe it like if something doesn't catch your attention immediately you can't go and there are i wonder how many art installations play on that by literally challenging you through boredom well, i see the same thing because places have those rolling films where you have to does you don't have to see it start to finish but you have to see the whole thing but the whole thing takes 15 minutes and people give it a minute and a half. And you have that awkward thing where everyone stands at the back of the installation rather than going into the couches. Yeah. And there's no room at the back. The doorway's completely clogged, but if you just walk into the room, you can see the whole thing properly. That's interesting. This is this is definitely turned into a podcast about museum etiquette. <laughs> this one's much closer to the podcast I think I initially imagined. We've been pretty structured <laughs> up until now. <laughs> but you've thrown... You've thrown chaos into the air when you've brought a, brought so many interesting things in together. Uh, also, it's very hard to decide which of these statements are not true. <laughs> That's good. Nineteen. I don't. I feel like statement three has literally nothing to unpack. However, it's highly credible. Fifteen twenty-five. The guy says it, and they all laugh. I feel like telling people to stop fighting over land is only resolved by turning up with a big army 
or very seriously threatening to turn up with a big arm. Yeah. And that's it. I suppose, like, you have to think whether it was sort of, whether they found it amusing as well, or if it was just ignored. Like, there is other dismissive attitudes to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> to help the decision process. <laughs> well, here's the... that They all... This is the way you've, what you've done well here. They all are the kind of thing you could have made up as a lie. <laughs> yeah. I honestly don't think they've added a Bible verse to this thing. However, I, I would never have guessed that a town post-2002 would genuinely believe they are cursed because of a rock. <laughs> Maybe Therefore, it's banning people from touching it is fine and adding Bible verses is fine. I think the only option here is to just say three is true, knowing full well that it might not be, and then move on to deciding between the other two. Mm, that's fair. Because at least then I've got a 50-50 created for myself. Or a 0% chance because you've dismissed three. Yes. <laughs> but I have no... I can't, I can't logically unpack three things. I can logically unpack two, maybe. That's fair. That's usually how I end up doing it. And I usually end up getting it wrong. Like so. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to go on. I need to cancel out some. Uh, I don't think the artist would be okay with adding the Bible verses. I think that would seriously contravene the artist's rights, artist rights that are inherent in intellectual property law in Australia. And if the artist agreed to it, then I'm sad about that as well. But I don't think you've. I don't think you went and found that Bible verse. Either that doesn't exist. Nah, two's true. You did not go and find that Bible verse, or you've just made up a Bible verse, to which I respect. But it sounded good. Yeah, two's true. Now we're between one and three. <laughs> I now think three's, a fo- three's false. So number one, when introduced, people had to be banned from touching it. I think that's true. I think statement three is false, John. Statement so three is false. I actually, I'm going to, I think I'm going to look, am I going to look it in? I just can't honestly sit here and tell you that I, I really believe they put a Bible verse on that thing. Yeah, we're going with three. Lock it in. I'm, I, I have not got this right, and I didn't deserve to get this right. I came into this really worried that I'd, like, made it far too easy. Um, oh, yeah. And you've debated the two which are true. Number one is false. Number one is false. That's that's okay. And I'm very happy about it. <laughs> so that, that they didn't... Oh, that, so the Bible verse did happen. I... Have you know, like you can't tell me with absolute fact that in fifteen twenty five they know full well that a bunch of clans that were fighting laughed about a proclamation from an archbishop. Well, it's more that they found it amusing that they, it was like. Of course, they found it amusing. They're out here having side little minor independence wars against each other, while <laughs> an entire country that could defeat them before breakfast time has told them to stop it. There's no way they could not find that amusing. Um, <laughs> So I, I didn't... Yes, it was more the point that you made that statement up rather than it, it was lie. Yeah. It was at, at its core lie. Um, so they didn't have to ban people from touching it. Is that because they had a really effective red rope? To be honest, I'd, yeah, I don't even know if people were touching it in the first place. Um, but Looking I've, at it, I think it's the kind of art that's supposed to be touched. Yeah, because it's, it's huge and it's on a big boulder. And... and there's a guy in a photo touching it. That was another thing I'm like... <laughs> Like for some reason, that made it more likely that that was fine. Yeah. Like, taking a photo of a guy touching it is more powerful if it's known that you're not allowed to touch it. Yeah. And it's shiny. That's another thing. I thought it wouldn't be... that. Some of that sheen would have been worn away. That's fair. I'm pretty happy with that. Well, I mean, I hope I get there one day. 
it's guess the kind of thing where there'd be like some neat little old woman smoking cigarettes who believes in the curse and I, I have to stand there and take it really seriously. Yeah. Carlisle While is actually she's... great and has a fantastic second-hand bookshop, which you would love, so... Oh, you know me too well. I do. I just... I, the only problem is sometimes when you get that far out, the coffee's terrible. No, there's some nice cafes, mate. Do they have oat milk, though? I, I found regional England really to not care about non-cow juice coffees. I think you'd be surprised, though, because it's very trendy now, though, isn't it? So... Oh, all, is it? Is it? All okay. it takes is, like, one cafe to be <laughs> yeah. a bit more on the Just... times and then you've uh, you've got oat milk haven't you no problem i just thought i'll look up creaky door opening effect which i'll play into the microphone and then i'll use that let's see what we get here Is that to symbolise me leaving? Yeah, I'll just put a cut after the dramatic <laughs> build-up. I went, picked the, uh, it was the postman uh, yeah. delivering. I'm at home, so now there's a doorbell, so I have to answer the door. Lame. Yep. Um, basically, handed me a bunch of letters and a package. Been my mum's birthday recently, happy birthday, Trine. Um, happy birthday. And basically, he said, yeah, uh, there's a parcel that should have been delivered a while ago. And a letter that's been tampered with. And I, like, laughed, dismissing that as, like, maybe it's a little bit bashed or something. And uh, he very just sort of, like, calmly was like, yeah, we had a bad egg in the office who's been uh, tampering with letters. So uh, I can only apologise. And, uh, yeah, she's no longer with the organisation or this stuff. I was like, hey? And one one of the letters is in, like, a little plastic sheet that has, like, our apologies and all this stuff on. I'm like, hey? Only in Kendall would the postman actually tell people that story. I know. It's mad. Like, in Georgetown, it would get around because my neighbour works there. Um, so is the letter addressed to you? No, it's addressed to my mum. So I don't know what... I right. think maybe she's, like, suspected that it's maybe, like, a birthday card or something and thought maybe there's money in it or something. Yeah, but... we've, had, we've, we've had a bad egg in the organisation. Bad, bad egg at the office, and she's no longer with the company. <laughs> oh, what I mean, it shouldn't be a company; it should be a government service. But that's for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't oh. that weird? That's the outro. Um... <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, we'll have to have follow up on, on the great mate. Can you can you talk to people in the town and find someone else that did it? Either secretly record an interview with them, or just do a do a fact finding mission and then report back to the podcast on the great scandal that is the two thousand and twenty Kendall Mail. We'll do <laughs> we'll do an expose we... on the person that's already been caught. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, to be honest, John, I wouldn't want to be responsible for uncovering something like that. That's too much responsibility for the podcast at this time. Yeah, But I'm happy to follow along and... Really stressful, wouldn't it? Publish sensationalism, just like The Sun or something. (laughs) Well, uh, that's a bad example, because they were also tampering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're also doing terrible things. (laughs) 